Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cosplay Bites, the only place where you'll learn of the bits and bites of the cosplay world, convention coverage, cosplay guests, spotlights, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy getting a look into bringing a character to life. This is Cosplay Bites. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome to the second episode of Cosplay Bites. Um, once again, for this episode, I'm joined by my awesome friend, Mink the Seder. How's it going, Mink? Hi. It's going well. I'm on yeah. vacation. Yep. Spring break everywhere. I know. And my spring break, it uh, it snowed today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, East Coast weather. Happy tax day. Yay. <laughs> Apparently it's spring. It's it's not really spring. <laughs> All right. So um the main focus of this episode is going to be about PAX East, which I did not get the chance to attend to, but Mink over here did. I really did. It's my favorite convention. Yeah. It's the one that I've gone to the most faithfully um, since they moved out to Boston. And I adore the pants off of it, to be honest. Like, it's the one where I'm like, well, oh, darn. If something falls on PAX weekend, looks like I'm missing that thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's been... Basically, with the first con I ever went to, and then I've been going to it every year since 2012, well, except this year. But mm-hmm. before that, um, I figured we're going to test out this little new format I came up with with your help. So Ooh, I like testing things. <laughs> I am a <laughs> guinea pig. Eep, eep. That's the sound I think guinea pigs make. Okay. I, I don't actually know what sound guinea pigs make, so... I have to make it up. Whatever works. <laughs> Eep. Uh, housekeeping. Going to my blog, The Lightning Palace, um, currently I got posts up such as a showcase on Juice Cosplay Rule 60, Rule 63, yes, Rule 63, mm-hmm. Farah from Overwatch, which won him a trip to New York Comic Con last year. Ooh. And last week's Struck First was a collab with you, with your Mimikyu outfit. My little Mimikyu's a star. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Coming up, I got this week, Steph Bot, and then Nicole Marie Jean, and then next week is Blood Raven, and then my Sophie, and then a couple more lovely ladies, a bunch of Struck First posts coming up, and then... A tease into next month's small business shout-out involves nerdy goodies, as in edible stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, nerdy goodies is the, the business model of your highlights. <laughs> <laughs> and then the only thing I have here is upcoming cons from my end. That's pretty much... New York Comic Con, unless <laughs> something miraculous happens. I know all the conventions were all up against each other, and now there's this big old gap. Yeah, I'm literally hunting for things to do, especially because um, a bunch of the local conventions to me are taking a year long break, or at least a season long break. So the conventions that I usually go to in May and in June aren't happening this year. So I'm like, oh, so I guess I'll. What do I do now? July? (laughs) What am I supposed to do till then? (laughs) Sleep? You could. I could sleep. I don't don't know. Sleeping is for when I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to take care of that. Um, spotlighting a cosplayer. So we're going to do that to you again. Um, mainly with your PAX East lineup. (laughs) Um, I won't talk about Aloy since we already kind of did that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But 
for those who don't know, you debuted two other outfits that you made in a time span that was, it was, it was crazy, like, right? It was, it was March. It was like, oh, I have March to make these. That's plenty of time. Two costumes? <laughs> sure. And a full-time job? Of course. That'll be fine. That'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> it wasn't fine. <laughs> no. So what'd you make? Um, for Saturday, I kept on trend and kept making more Pokemon stuff. So I am now the proud owner of a Zubat cosplay. All right. <laughs> because if I'm going to cosplay all of the Pokemon, I'm going to start with the derpiest ones first. That's that's where my heart lay. Yeah. We'll get to the cool ones eventually. But the derpy ones, no one's doing the derpy ones. Those are the um, ones you want to do first. I always want to do the derpy ones first. I have, I got an idea. Oh, it's a it's a stupid idea, but I really like, like, like it. Like just now or not too long ago? Not too long ago. Oh, no. No, I mean, technically I have two ideas, but the first one, the one that I'm going to share right now, is it's just like, I mean, both of my ideas are predicated off of bad puns, but this one's like a bad pun that I can easily make in like an afternoon if I wanted to. It's a cheerleader hip now. Wait for it. I'm going to let you know what the pun is. It's hype now. Okay. All right. Hype. Are you, are you gonna? Are you? Is it gonna? Isn't that like? Is that called an oxymoron or? Cause it's yes, like, and it's, that's what makes it extra perfect. Cause you're not cheering them; you're putting them to sleep. Yeah, I know. It's extra perfect. Oh my gosh. Is, okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. That that's pretty good. Yeah. That's what makes it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I did that on Saturday, uh, the zoo bath that is hype. No, has not happened yet. <laughs> okay. But the hype is real. No. And then on Sunday, I, um, celebrating a year and a day, uh, since the release of near automata, I dressed up from near automata. But I refused to dress up as the main female character from Nier because I didn't have a personal wonderful connection with her. I had a connection with a dude. So I dressed up as 9S. Yeah. <laughs> and my life was perfect. <laughs> I had all, all right. the man spreading I could want. All right. Um, you want to briefly talk about what went into making those? Sure. Um. So I made the two costumes more or less concurrently, which was uh, weird for me because I'm very much a kind of person who will set out to do one task and then I will finish that one task and then I will do the next task. And then when I am finished with the second task, I will move on to the third task. <laughs> it's very prescribed yep. that way. <laughs> That's just who I am as a person. So it's very <laughs> difficult for me to like start one thing and be like, and now simply because I have to, I've got to do something else. So I made a shield for my Zubat cosplay that was this glowing Galbat shield that was actually somewhere between a shield and a buckler just because of the way I had to hold it. Mm. So I want to say I started that. Oh, God, I'm like really disappointed about when I started that. I started that like mid-March. I started it. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, and at that point, I did not have a whole lot of Zubat done. I had, like, maybe the helmet done, which I had, done, like, I had done maybe, like, two days before. Like, I guess you could say I did this all in the tail end of March. It was bad. Oh, uh, <laughs> I oh, made a lot of this costume very quickly. Um, <laughs> so I, I worked out this shield, and I was really, really proud of it. It was an exercise in, I guess maybe this will work. And then when it did work, I was like, oh, phew, because I didn't have an alternative if it didn't. Um, uh, but I worked really hard on finishing that over the course of a couple of days. And then once I finished it, that was like my, okay, I can stop and shift gears and work on um, on 9S. And 9S, I knew I could bang that out very quickly because it's just soft cloth. 
Um, there wasn't any armor that I had to build. And I am very quick when it comes to pattern drafting yeah. and sewing. The challenge was working with the embroidery at the bottom of his jacket, which was too mm. big for my embroidery hoop. Um, over on my Patreon, I wound up putting up a tutorial on how to overcome when you don't have an embroidery machine or when the embroidery is too big for your embroidery machine that you do have. Uh, and it wound up being this really easy hack, really excited that it worked. And as far as like expense went, it was actually pretty cheap. I'm kind of floored at how little money, but also how little effort I had to really expend to make that costume. I was just like, oh, that's good. Because working on that Zubat shield was, that <laughs> took a lot of mana. So I guess, <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess 9S will be quick. And 9S was finished up really quick, which meant that I could spend the, basically like the week and a half before PAX was me working on all of Zubat's armor and cloth, like all of it. I wound up making Zubat across like two weeks. Nice. And 9S across like half a week. It was it was not my finest hour, but I got it done <laughs> and I felt really proud of it. <laughs> I say I tell people all the time, I do my best work when I'm under pressure, but oh I was under pressure that those last two weeks before. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. And you said you had the pod, it was 3D printed? Oh yeah, so um, one of the things that um, that is like kind of this mechanic within Nier is that you have these um, machines that float next to you and like can do some stuff for you. Right. Uh, they're called pods. And so one of my friends um, does a lot of roboting and a couple of years ago, we had teamed up where he did a 3D model of and then a 3D print of a robot for my cosplay. And then he, you know, made it all robotic and move and stuff. And my job was to paint it and make it all pretty. So I want to say in January, he hit me up and was like, hey, I want to do that again. And I said, I absolutely know exactly what I want to take that advantage of. Like, <laughs> I, I know exactly the project. It's going to be real simple. And it was. It was to do the pod from here. Um, the 3D print already kind of existed because there are 3D models on even just like free open source uh, softwares that people can just download to and, and print to their own home printers if they have them. Hmm. So... Um, he wound up remodeling the top half of the pod because we wanted to make my pod hollow so that we can include speakers. And he made it so that um, I had a little remote control. And if I hit one of the buttons, it, the pod would say one of four pre-programmed phrases from the game. So that was really, really cool. That's rad. Uh, and as usual, I was tasked with um, the beautifying of it. So I was I was the one who painted it up. Um, but what made it really complicated is my poor roboticist had two things <laughs> that were kind of knocking against him. First thing, he was getting married the week after PAX. Oh boy. So he had a lot of stuff on his plate. And then two weeks before PAX, no, I'm sorry, one week before PAX, two weeks before his wedding, he got appendicitis. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but he was really committed. He was like, no, 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 I want this to happen. So like I had the pod before he got appendicitis, but it didn't have any of its guts inside of it. It was just an out, like a shell for me to paint. Right. And then the Wednesday after he was released from the hospital, <laughs> I like oh. dropped it off. I was like, here's the pod, please put guts in it. <laughs> so I didn't get with all of its guts inside and like ready to work until the Sunday that I debuted the costume. Typical mink, taking advantage of people from the hospital. Oh my God, it's not happened at all. I was like, don't even worry about the pod. Don't even do anything with it. But his original <laughs> plan was that he wanted to puppet it by balancing, like, like basically holding on to an acrylic um, pole, like a fishing pole, and having some, like, you know, the, the pod dangling on some really strong fishing line, which was straight up not going to be the case when he had abdominal stitches. 
<laughs> at approximately oh, the area you would balance a fishing pole. <laughs> which was fine because I was more preferential to us mounting the pod on um on like a, a wheels that were mounted on a, like a flat acrylic plate. So that's what we went with as opposed to making it adaptable to both puppeting and to being mounted on a wheeled plate. Mm. Okay. Good times though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's doing much better and is married. So Oh, yeah, him. Good for my friend. <laughs> All right. Now that that's out of the way. Um, we'll go dive into the main topic, which is PAX East. Um, for those who don't know, it's one of several conventions under the Penny Arcade brand, which we restarted out as just a webcomic based on games. And, um, yeah, they've got several cons laid out across the country. There's PAX East for the East Coast, PAX West for the West Coast. There's a PAX South. Is in Texas. Yep. Pack um, Dev, I think it's for developers. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And then I want to say this. Australia. And yep. Packs Unplugged, which is new. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the board game centric one. Yes. If I remember correctly. Pennsylvania in September. Huh. It's either Pennsylvania or Ohio. I always get it's in the middle of the states. <laughs> <laughs> So I told myself before doing this, like, I'm going to compile a list of stuff that was announced at PAX East that was interesting to me. Um, I didn't, I got one thing. Like, I, normally when it comes to conventions, like some gaming sites, like, like E3 comes around. They'll have, like, a giant section of, like, here's all the news of E3. And they'll, like, label each article, like, E3 2018, like, this was announced. None of that was for PAX East. Not there really. No, there was no PAX East label. I agree. Like, um, I was expecting, like, I was expecting Gearbox to have a presence. They didn't really have a presence this year, which kind of made me happy and nervous. Because, like, it made me happy because I know that um, they're working on Borderlands 3. So in my head, I'm like, oh, well, they're just working on Borderlands 3. But right. then it makes me nervous because I'm like, but wouldn't they want to hype that they were still working on Borderlands 3? Is Borderlands 3 being put on pause? Like, please don't say it's... It, yeah. Borderlands 3, to my understanding, is still very much a thing that they're working on. Hmm. But I don't think it's, like, ready to be hyped yet. Oh, maybe 3 or something. I don't know. Maybe. But, yeah, I was, I was feeling the absence of a lot of the AAA titles being present on the expo floor. There was notably a lot more indie games, just wow. from my perspective. And there also was a lot more with like social media, which was interesting. I'm not opposed to it, but like I felt like the Twitch booth was bigger than ever. Um, oh, yeah, Twitch always has a strong presence there. They always have a strong presence, but it felt a lot bigger this year. And then um, Facebook is doing something with gaming, I guess. I'm not sure because I didn't go into the booth because I was just kind of like, oh, I don't I don't need another Farmville in my life. I'll just walk past it. <laughs> but, uh, but Facebook did have a very giant booth. Right. Uh was Discord there in connection with Twitch, maybe? Oh, um, I you know, I wasn't paying attention because the number of crowds over by the Twitch booth is still so massive that like oh, yeah. when the only day that I was able to go to the expo floor unencumbered with vision issues was on Friday when mm. I was dressed up as Aloy. Mm. And I don't know why. But in my head, I was like, oh, it's only Friday. I'm not going to pay that much attention. Because what I should have realized is on Saturday and on Sunday, I was going to be more or less blindfolded. So Friday really was like my yeah. only day to do real heavy convention going on the expo floor. And right. that just did not occur to me. Huh. A fact that later bit me in the butt because I saw an Abra plushie that I wanted on Friday 
that straight up wasn't around on Saturday. And I was really sad. Uh-oh. I know. It's just, I mean, it's really my own fault. Like, <laughs> I should have known that Abra would um, teleport. That's what it does. <laughs> you got you to gotta see the Abra. You got to use a quick ball. And that's it. In yep. this metaphor, quick ball is my credit card. <laughs> oh, man. You and your plushies. But, like, I, it wouldn't have made sense for Aloy to be carrying an Abra plushie. Like, maybe a Kangaskhan I could get away with, but Abra? Like, how do I spin that? Yeah. Whereas when I was dressed up as a Zubat, like, who cares if I was covered in plushies? It'd be like, for once, Zubat is plagued by other Pokemon. <laughs> Instead of the other way around. Um, yeah, the only news I got was that Final Fantasy fifteen had a conference discussing stuff. I don't know. I think it was like the AI of the game or how it was developed or something like that, but they announced their second season pass collection of goodies, which is supposedly going to finish the game off. So you got one, two, four episodes, one of which is a side story. One's going to be based around Arden, the main villain. One's going to be based around Luna Freya. The side one's going to be based around Aranea, and then there's another one that's going to be based around Noctis, and supposedly it's all going to, like, wrap up as, like, they want to show, like, a second, like, alternate ending or something like that, so they're working on it. They showed, they showed concept art of, like, the title screens or whatnot, so that'll be well, good. that's exciting. Yeah. I'm probably... Because, I mean, they said they had DLC plans throughout until, like, early 2019. <laughs> so yeah you know i was i was definitely looking for more made stage events and more like announcements from these triple games and i didn't get them but that didn't make or break my packs that very rarely makes or breaks an attendees packs i think it might impact people like yourself who didn't go because you're looking right. for like, okay, like what new thing happened? What exclusive thing can I like lap up? And when the answer is, well, nothing really, you know, the, then the, the knee jerk is like, oh, so PAX sucked. It's like, no, 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 PAX was still great. It just didn't have anything new. Right. I imagine League of Legends had their regular giant booth. Not or... really. The League of Legends or like Riot in the past has had giant booths but then they've also had their own like side pocket rooms at certain cons. Like when I went to PAX Prime, which is now PAX West, um, like Riot had its own room. Um, Riot doesn't really have a big presence on the expo floor because they have a big presence in other locations. So they had two things that were going on that were always busy. They had a... Um, like a five on five match that was in the actual convention center. Like, right. um, like as if it were a panel room, it wasn't actually one of the theaters, but it was a side room that they just had and yeah. they were running um, five on five, just pick up matches where it's like, if you could get a group of five, you play against someone else in the group and then you'd get t-shirts and take your pictures. So that was lovely. Um, but they also had, and this is the thing that I really love that they do, is they had the Cospitality Lounge. That I remember. They always seem to have that every year. Yeah, well, they used, they started a few years ago when they did have a bigger presence on the expo floor. Right. And it was the Riot-sponsored Cospitality <clears throat> Lounge. And it was so popular that even in the years subsequent where Riot hasn't had a big, like, official presence, they've had an official presence in that they were supporting their fellow cosplayers. And you don't have to be a Riot person to go in, but they do have, like, a person who sits there in front of the lounge that only, like, if you are in costume, you are permitted to go in. If you're not in costume, you need to be, the only reason you can come in is if you're someone's handler. So there were a couple of times where I was walking with a friend of mine who adopts the term handler because a lot of my PAX costumes don't need handlers. I say, knowing full well that my friends became my handlers that day. Um, (laughs) I know, they they got voluntold. Um, So there were a couple of times where my friends were kind of stopped and they were like, you can't go in there. And then they like looked over and they were like, oh, is she your person? 
like is she your person is she your cosplayer like they would they would do like all of that that kind of thing and i feel like yeah yeah she's with me it's like this weird moment where i had to be like oh yeah she's with me we're like yep he's with you- me. it's all good you know like it feels so weird and pretentious but at the same time i'm kind of like I'm feeling the fantasy a little bit. <laughs> they just turn you like, is this one yours? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, basically. It was cute. Uh, yeah, I, I... Yeah, I don't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, there really wasn't any AAA titles. Not even demos, maybe? I mean, there certainly were demos. Like, Square Enix was there, and they were doing demos. But by the time I got to the Square Enix booth, there was no way I was going to wait in a line that long. That's the other thing, yeah. Like, it's a time commitment, especially if you're going multiple days. And I guess it's okay to do it. But, like, if you're going, like, one day, you'd have to really love the game to make a time commitment to, like, stay in line for, like, who knows how long to do a demo. And it's difficult to know that you're going to love a game because the point of it is that it is a demo. So it's yeah. not out yet. So you don't know. So the yeah. best that I could do is I could like watch over someone's shoulder from outside the line to see like, oh, that game looks cool. Yeah. But even when games that I love now were being demoed, I had no interest in previous years of yeah. looking for those games because the lines are prohibitively long. And if you're in costume, being in a line kind of just like, I don't know, it, it it sucks my energy away and I need a lot of that energy to just keep moving forward to meet up with people. Like I I like to always be doing something. Yeah. And being in a line to me feels like I'm not doing enough. Like it's it's not engaging me enough. Right. And I always feel like the demos are therefore they're too short. That being said, I took advantage of a lot of the um, indie games that didn't have lines. So my deal was on Sunday, I went around with a bunch of my friends. And anytime there was a game that had no line and it was just like someone in the booth was like, hey, do you want to play a game? We were like, yes, and we have four people. Can this game support four people? (laughs) So (laughs) we wound up occupying our time quite nicely by just yes and (laughs) yeah i can remember last year the group of friends that i was with my brother and his friends we did um i think we only did one line we we demoed uh, a quake quake online match we lost you all got a t-shirt out of it though so that was cool nice and then i remember i got one (laughs) t-shirt well one i will get back to you on that (laughs) <laughs> and then the first package I went to for one day, that was when I that was when I met Jessica Neve for the first time, but I went in I the giant this one. lollipop chainsaw yep. bus in twenty twelve and I demoed the game. I think I also pre ordered it just for the heck of it. Um I pre ordered it and I got a lollipop out of it. I did the demo, and I also got a foam chainsaw out of it. So that was fun. Is that the one where Michael Rosenbaum plays the boyfriend's head? I think it's Michael Rosenbaum. Yes, Michael Rosenbaum, Tara Strong played the main well, I knew, girl. I knew Tara Strong did did um, Miss Lollipop. I can't remember her name. Julia Starling. Thank you, Juliet. Um, but I remember it was Michael Rosenbaum because at the time... I was just coming off of how much I loved him in Smallville. Ooh, like, ooh. I both loved and hated him because I stopped watching Smallville after season four, which meant I didn't have any um, heartache about how bad it got. I can't remember when I stopped watching Smallville. But, well, I mean, it was like a nine season show. So like, buckle up. Uh, but, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> it's back when I thought that like, what's his name? Uh, Jason Eccles was like the worst because his Smallville character was awful. But then I watched um, Supernatural and was like, just kidding. He's great. Um, but um, but no, so Michael Rosenbaum also voiced The Flash. I was just going to say in the Justice in League. Justice League. Yeah. 
And so I was really enamored with his Flash because the Flash is one of my favorite DC superheroes. Same. So by the time that game came out, I was just like, oh, Michael Rosenbaum doing like some snappy one-liners? Sign me up. And then I was like, (laughs) it has zombies. Darn, I'll get them next time, Tigers. (laughs) Yep, James Gunn, Scooter 51. I think James Gunn's brother was in the game. Uh, some obscure metal artist was one of the bosses in the game. I think his, his yeah, his name was Jimmy Urine. Hmm. That was the stage name. Good stage name. Yeah. Good times. I co-signed it. Yeah. <laughs> 2012 was a different time. <laughs> it was. Um. God, can we just have a moment to just reflect that at the time of recording, that was six years ago? Okay, carry on. Whenever I see, like, those memes, like, did you know, like, such and such came out 10 years ago today? I'm like, stop! Did you know the 1990s were not 10 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. Um, When did the first Incredibles come out? And we're just getting a sequel now. I know. And we're getting the sequel on my birthday. No big deal. But I kind of want to make a, an, either an Elastigirl or a, um, or a Violet um, cosplay so that on my birthday, I can be in cosplay and see the debut of a movie. Just saying, oh, that'd, that'd be really great. Oh, that'd be great. I'm so excited for the movie. It's just going to be like our age group is going to be like the main focus of this movie in the theater. Because like we oh, were gosh, like, no. my, we were kids. I can tell you already, I work in <laughs> an elementary school. My students are really hyped for it. <laughs> I think they've seen Incredibles 1, but they weren't as enthused about Incredibles 1 as I was. Because I saw Incredibles 1 when I was in college. It was all about it. I loved it. I bought the DVD. I watched uh, all of, of the DVD extra. One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite Pixar movies. Oh, same. Is oft underappreciated, but you know what? So was Ratatouille, and I love that one too. That was that was good. Ratatouille was it. a solid, great film. Yeah, but I'm Samuel super, Jackson super for, stoked. Oh my god! Incredibles dose. You saw the latest trailer for Incredible Two, right? Yes, because I eat his wife. Oh my god, I love his wife. <laughs> I know Helen Park. You to be back ASAP. No, Frozone's wife. Oh 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 yes. I was really happy that they were going to do... They would be dumb if they didn't. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> because the line, I am your wife, I am the greatest good you will ever have, is just movie magic. Everything about it was fantastic. All right. Best character to have zero image on film. Oh, yeah. Just a, just a voice. But so you knew what that- she looked like. Somehow, in your heart, you knew what she looked like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so far for that tangent. Um, <laughs> My life is tangents. <laughs> Out of all... So you said you went around Sunday playing a bunch of indie games that had no lines. Were there any that stuck out to you as one dude like, oh, I'm going to keep my eye on this? Or- um, I think it was called Knuckleheads or something like that. It was a okay. game where you played as these little like chibis with big heads and your job Hmm. was to do these sorts of like mini game tasks and it was it was a pvp four-player game where usually your job was in some capacity you have to knock off the other person's head and do something with their head so in like Uh. one of one of the eight levels you have to knock off their head and then open some sort of like Lovecraftian door by sitting, by standing on like the summoning panel and pressing a button. And then you have a limited time to toss only the head through this door. And Uh. while you're doing that, other players are trying to like knock you out so they can take their head back or take your head to do the same. And Uh. also there was, you know, some tentacle monster whose tentacles would slam down on the board and knock everyone down. Um, That was a fun game. Uh, One of the levels featured a giant toilet. Like, so what's to hate? Like, it kind of (laughs) read to me a little bit Mario Party-esque. And I Uh, like that. 
So it was definitely casual gaming at its finest. I think it was available for just like the major platform of games. So, you know, functionally is for me, the question is, okay, but is it for the PS4? Because I don't have um, the Xbox One. Neither do I. Um, We had an Xbox 360 the games that were coming out exclusively for Xbox One at the time were not as exciting or tasty to me as um, the games that were coming out for PlayStation 4. So we got the PS4. We still have no regrets. No, I don't either. Because um, any of the games that I want from the Xbox world are cross-console uh, compatible. Whereas there are a lot of PlayStation 4 exclusive games that like my siblings, for example, who have the Xbox One can't play. So they don't know how great Horizon Zero Dawn is. They just don't know. And so I'm like, oh, brothers, you are. Do they know? Do they know? So they haven't experienced Persona 5. No, no, I, I, I can't oh, even, the, I can't even the, get started with that. The poor soul. Oh, I know, God. I know. Well, I don't know that my my brothers would be cool with Persona 5. I don't think they like that kind of game, nor do I think that they would enjoy Nier to the extent that I enjoyed it. I mean, you didn't enjoy Nier to the extent that I enjoyed it. I gave it a shot, but yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea. It's okay, it's okay. It's, um, I like to describe Nier kind of like a JRPG that went that like David Lynch would love. <laughs> it's like weird and a little convoluted, but like, mm, it's not quite David Lynchian, but it is definitely weird. It would be like <laughs> early David Lynch, like Twin Peaks, the original Twin Peaks, not the new one. The t- new Twin Peaks was very like, nope, nope, nope. That one, that one got away from us. <laughs> <laughs> the new Twin Peaks was too weird for me to enjoy, and I liked the original Twin Peaks. Oh boy! Tangents, hmm. tangents, tangents, tangents. Side notes: the Spiral trilogy got me hyped. Oh yeah! I've never played Spyro because I grew up with an N sixty four, not a PS one. Say yeah, I didn't. I didn't grow up with that console either so spyro represents to me going to friends houses yeah i was a nintendo family um same the longest time yeah yeah everyone says that all three games were pretty stellar so i'm like oh yeah i'll give it a shot right and i think i think it will still be back i'm personally really excited about the remastering of secret of mana oh yeah um, mostly because I'm like, y'all didn't know. <sighs> y'all didn't know. But there was a time where I wore a cosplay from Secret of Mana and everyone's like, oh, what is this from? And I would name it. And people were like, oh, is that new? And I'm like, no, no, this is like a 1992 game from Squaresoft, like not Square Enix, Squaresoft. <laughs> it was for it was for the uh, Super Nintendo because it was before uh, Square moved their butts over to to PlayStation because before PlayStation existed. And right. then people were like, well, that was too much for us to know. Have a good day. <laughs> so now I'm really excited because people will understand it. It's kind of like how I feel when Pokemon Go first went out, came out. It was like at the time, nobody... Like there was a generation of people who like went missed out on Pokemon. Right. And then when Pokemon Go came out and then anybody was like anybody and everybody was playing it. And then, you know, people I knew who weren't interested in Pokemon were suddenly talking about their Kangaskhan. I was like, all right, welcome. <laughs> I have been expecting you. <laughs> We're glad to have you with us. We are glad you could join us today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hmm. So I love it. I love it. Um, holding my breath for a Chrono Trigger re-release, I will hold my breath longer. Ooh. Sigh. Ooh. I know, I know, because I will tell you right now, Magus would look real good in some updated graphics. Oh, yeah. Real I good. Played, I played the DS port. That was the first time I experienced it, and I loved it. Loved it. Oh, honey, honey, I played that game. I remember playing it when it first came out. And you know what I had? Because it was before, like, the internet was, like, a common thing. 
like we still had access to it, but it wasn't really that great. I had the player's guide. The player's guide. Where it would give us the dungeon maps and the character art, like the Akira Toriyama character art. Something special about like early 90s strategy guide. I know. And now like I when I picked up my copy of Pokemon Sun and Moon, not Ultra Sun and Moon, just regular type, the guy at the GameStop was like, Would you like to get this guidebook? And I was like, but but sir, Bulbapedia is free. And he was like, I know some people buy it for like the commemorabilia. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not some people, I'm Pope. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember you got me thinking about the Mario 54 guide we had. No, you know what? Do you guys remember Nintendo Power? Heck yeah, I do. I first of all, that's done. They folded on Nintendo Power. That is a done deal gone. Although it kind of still lives on. Have you seen the Nintendo Power podcast? Oh, I didn't know they had podcasts. Well, because they got rid of the the brick and mortar like magazine, and I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you this magazine was transformative because. Back before they had the Pokemon anime over at the United States, they Nintendo Power, when Pokemon first came out, they took the episode of the anime and did this bold thing where they translated it, put the screen grabs and turned it into a comic and released an episode in Nintendo Power as a comic. Bold move. Hmm. I know. They were ahead of their time. My first experience with Nintendo Power was when Sonic Adventure to Battle came out on the GameCube. And I loved it. I picked it up from a KB Toys. And I loved oh the magazine. God. And then I was like, can I subscribe to it? And I was subscribed to it ever since when they did all the revamps. Is when KB it got bought out by Future Inc. Do we still have KB? No, it's gone. Oh, God. Oh, no. No, no, it's gone. I mean, I knew Toys R Us was gone. And there was a thing that went out on on social media when Toys R Us, like, first folded. People were like, yeah, but when was the last time you went to a Toys R Us and bought something? And I was so sassy. I was, like, typing when I was like, two weeks ago, I bought Eevee plushie. (laughs) (laughs) I rarely went to a Toys R Us. Well, I've been there one, one near me, and not that I would like actively go if there was, but yeah. I like getting my games from places like GameStop. I like going to a brick and mortar place to pick up my games and to pre order my games. I just order on Amazon, <laughs> right? I mean, I'll do that for my brothers during the holidays because Amazon's easier for holidays, but like when it's for me going to the GameStop. And unfortunately, the GameStop nearest me um, is closed now, but that's just because they're doing um, some, like, renovations in the mall that I shop at. So that is why. It's not because GameStop is, like, hurting or anything. They're doing fine. But I'm just like, no, my convenient place. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Sorry, folks. I accidentally hit the command Q button. So we're still rolling. I'll try to figure it out. And, uh, poke through the audio and well i still saw the word live when it was just me and i don't know if since i'm not hosting i don't know if i was live or not so otherwise they just heard my rambling but no that's fine that's fine because it says the broadcast is still going on so i don't know what's happening i'm gonna go on to facebook yeah all right so you were still ranting about stuff (laughs) <laughs> it's okay if it if it's over we could just like go on to the next topic yeah let's go on to the next done. things um, left. yeah oh i have like a panic attack for like five seconds i'm like oh frick because i had a window open and it was ah eh. oh, no, no more tangents um so at pax east I mean, the usual next topic would be like franchise design, teach a technique. But I wanted to talk about because I just thought of it. Um, so PAX East, you did panels over there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and um, so what? So I wanted to 
like what were the panels about and what did it like like setting up a panel or like just like running it Ooh, I love this. I love it. Okay, let's let's dive in. So the first panel that I did was on Friday. And I was a panelist, not a moderator for that one. Um, the moderator was Rocket Props. And the panelists included Rocket Props, myself, and V Cosplay. And we did a Cosplay 101 with a focus on cosplay materials. It was... Uh, absolutely com- full room that we did our panel for, which was surprising because the panel was at six o'clock on Friday night. So Ooh. I was assuming that people would be getting dinner because the expo hall closed right at six o'clock. But happily, because our time was at six o'clock and the expo hall had just closed, a lot of people still very much wanted to be a part of Pats, but weren't drawn away from the expo hall. So we got a lot of people as a result, which is very delightful. Less delightful. Some of my friends showed up a little late and couldn't get in, but like, oh, boo-hoo, what a problem to have. Um, (laughs) I found out after the fact that the capacity of the room was 400 people. So, you know, that's, you know, not a small chunk of change of people. I know. How sweet is that? (laughs) I was, I was so excited. So that panel was moderated by Rocket of Rocket Props. And he and V Cosplay had actually done a soft demo of that very same presentation the week before at Anime Boston. But because they had kind of a weird time, they presented to maybe like 50 people. So they got to have an opportunity to take some of the PowerPoint that we had remotely talked about and created in our own like little corners of Massachusetts and they could get like, give some feedback and be like, okay, this is what worked. This is what didn't. So by the time we were ready to present on that Friday, we had, they had already met at one point to like (laughs) revise the slides. And then we met up an hour early to revise the slides further. (laughs) We finally gave it, we knew what we were doing. Um, we probably were a little still too in our heads. It was, um, we kind of like had this thing going where we had a little two minute timer per slide and it was like, you have two minutes to talk about this slide. If oh, you go wow. over two minutes, then it gets a little hairy. So um, we probably got in our heads a little bit too much about that, but um, they wound up being all right. Uh, it just meant we had a little bit less time when we like went over. We had a little bit less time for the Q and A, but oh, okay. we wound up having an impromptu Q and A outside of the um, the panel room for like an hour to an hour and a half afterwards. You know, we were still standing there talking to people and answering questions, which was fine by me. Hmm. That's the part that I really love is the afterwards where like you can kind of let your hair down and still talk to people. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's good. Oh, it was amazing. And then on Saturday in the morning, like first thing when the convention (laughs) had anything official going on, the convention (laughs) doors opened at eight, but that wasn't common knowledge this year for whatever reason. Most people were under the impression that the convention doors opened at 10, which is when my panel was. Oh, boy. Um, but it was still pretty well attended. We had about a hundred or so people, which again, for 10 o'clock is not nothing. No, it's not. Saturday, I'll take it. (laughs) But, um, I did a panel where I was the moderator and sole, um, panelist. It was on cosplay Gajinka, which is, um, of course the Japanese word for anthropomorphism, which is of course the exciting word for making, non-human characters into something human Mm -hmm. um and so that was just a really fun panel um interesting note it was supposed to be an hour and i double checked this afterwards like i double checked like the scheduling everything said it was supposed to be an hour game time decision the folks who were running the like the the theater tech were like let's give her an hour and a half it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) That was very sweet. So like about 10 minutes till the end of my hour, I started doing my wrap up and my, my theater tech girl um, who was doing the soundboard uh, is a friend of mine. Um, She's a kitten in strings cosplay. She was like, 
you still have 30 minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, Not session. I was like, oh, I thought I only had an hour. All right, we'll just have a really long Q&A. That's fine. <laughs> and no, it was fun. like we filled that time. I thought I, I slated it because, I, again, I'm a teacher. I know exactly how long an hour is because that's generally what my class length is. So I know exactly what I need to do in order to fill up one hour's worth of time so that everything has room to breathe. Everything has, you know, it's time in its place. I can spend enough time discussing each topic to a natural conclusion. So it was no trouble for me to stretch like the Q and a session or whatever. And you know, some people got up and left because they were like, I don't need to stay for the Q and a session. Let's see. Oh, wait. Oh, there you go. Oh my gosh. All right. You nah. froze up for me. I froze up for you. Where'd we leave off? Um, it sounded like you were just about to wrap up the panel. Okay. Like right. talking about like how you're able to manage an hour's worth. Cause of all being a teacher and whatnot. So there were these two things that happened during that like wrap up time that made me really happy. Uh, the first was that I did this like swag giveaway at the end of the panel where I gave away one of my t-shirts. Um, I have these new t-shirts. You have one too. They're delightful. Yep. I'm wearing it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're wearing it. That makes <laughs> me so happy. Oh, um, I love those shirts. They came out so well and I really, really appreciate the company that, um, I'm working with that actually makes them because they do a good job. Right. Uh, so, oh, yeah, so I had a t-shirt on hand to give away. And the premise of the giveaway is that I printed out a little Zubat, like on a piece of paper, and then taped it underneath someone's chair. <laughs> and was like, if you're sitting in this chair, you get a free t-shirt. And so as it happened... There was a girl sitting next to the chair, but not at the chair. And so no one was sitting in the chair that had the Zubat. Oh, boy. So I was like, oh, um, well, I guess finders keepers. And then people start looking for it. And then at some point, we kind of give a hint. And then everyone's like hurtling, like hurtling over chairs, trying to find it. And I just sit there and I'm just like, <laughs> good job. You started a riot looking for a zoo bat. Just take a minute to appreciate that. And the room just <laughs> lost it. And we're like, Oh my God, we're looking for zoo bat. How dare us. Oh boy. It's like the one time. Um, so that was very funny. This very tiny girl won it. She was dressed up in a Pikachu Kigu. So I was like, well, excellent. You were the right clientele to win this t-shirt. <laughs> um, and then this other amazing thing that happened was during my panel, we did this thing where um, one person from the audience pulled a name of a Pokemon and another person from the audience pulled a profession. And then my job was to design a costume based on those two nouns. So Mm. what got pulled was um, warrior Bulbasaur. Okay. So as a, as a, as a theater, I drew up a warrior Bulbasaur and people in the theater were making comments and like adding to it. And it was really, really cute. Like it was less me doing it and more collaboration. It was a collaborative process by the theater, which was very cool. Very, very special. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) at some point during the Q and a, this sweet girl comes up to the microphone and was like, hi, um, this is a weird question. I really like the design you came up with. Like, if I give you my email, can you send it to me? Cause I'd really like to make it like, do, can I get permission to make it? And I was like, girl, it's not my design. It's our design. Everybody, does she get permission? <laughs> and then the whole room like was like, yes. Aww. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we're going to, I was like, after the show, I want you to come over and give me your email. I will email it to you, but you, you know, I definitely want to see it because if Pax lets me do this panel again, I want to be able to put your work up on the big screen. <laughs> so it was, it was just nice. a very 
helmet. It was very adorable. I oh, loved the pants off of it. The panel went so, so well. I felt like a million bucks afterwards. I feel like people took some stuff out of it. And I got a lot of good positive feedback, which makes me you know, the happiest little panda. <laughs> so with luck, Pax will let me do it again. With even more luck, Pax will let me do more of them because I will tell you the most fun I had at the convention without fail is doing panels. Yeah, I've yet to stand on a panel done by like you or just a cosplayer I know in general. So definitely something I need to look into doing. Well, my panels tend to have, yes, it has a lot of content. And the content is important, but I also really enjoy the entertainment aspect of it. So if it's not funny, it's not worth doing. Yeah. So I, I won't lie to you and tell you that my panels are super serious because I don't have the attention or focus to deliver something super serious. And at 10 in the morning, neither do you. <laughs> yeah. Fine by me. Right, right. So if it's like, you know, to me, it needs to be a good balance of content and entertainment. And thankfully, there were a lot of people who had attended who I didn't know who have emailed me since and then said something along those lines. And I was like, excellent. That is literally the sentiment that I was aiming for. (laughs) Thank you for legitimizing me as a human. Yeah. Hmm. Very good day. (laughs) That's good. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up. I think right I want to before before any other accidental <laughs> screw ups. Oh, oh gosh. Ugh. My bad on that. <laughs> so, uh, closing it out. Um, you can find me on either the Blue Lightning Cost on Twitter, Instagram, the Lightning Palace blog, Instagram profile the blog itself uh my patreon which i just started up my first ever goal um where basically if i get a certain amount of money that's listed i'll be able to get a more professional like mic to possibly use for future podcasts and mink where can everyone find you um, everyone can find me on every social media except for Snapchat because it's for teenagers. Uh, yeah. At Mink the Seder. Uh, that's Mink, M I N K, the, a sight word, and Seder, S A T Y R. So All I'm right. on Instagram, Patreon, Facebook, uh, Store Envy, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, your neighbor's cell phone. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just not on Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) And just to give you guys a nice little tease, uh, the next episode will be next, well, obviously next month. uh, It will feature Uh the lovely Canary cosplay talking about Momocon. And specifically, she'll be able to talk about her experiences and what it's like to vend at a con. So definitely look forward to that. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.